Have a great idea for a fashion brand but don't know where to start? Or perhaps you're looking to take your existing label to the next level. Our industry experts have years of experience at top brands and are ready to help you bring your vision to life. From designing your collection, to brand building, to textile and factory sourcing, we offer a nurturing and personalised approach every step of the way. Visit fashionandthefree.com forward slash studio to schedule a consultation and take the first steps towards turning your fashion dreams into reality. Hi, and welcome to the Fashion and the Free podcast, the show that pulls back the curtains of the fashion industry to reveal what really goes on behind closed doors, as well as teaching you some tips and tricks of the trade. I'm your host, Emma Golly, a fashion designer, consultant, and founder of Fashion and the Free. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to two fashion freelancers and consultants, Charlotte J. Johnson and Anna Douglas, to find out how to become a successful freelancer. If you listened to last week's episode, you'll be aware that this is part two of the How to Become a Successful Freelancer discussion. In this episode, we continue with Anna Douglas to find out how she walked away from the corporate fashion world to start her own freelance design business and how she is teaching others to do the same. Anna owns Ido Fashion Studio and provides education and coaching for fashion freelancers and designers. She has been in the fashion industry for almost a decade now and strives to help other freelancers, teaching them the things she wished she had known when she had started. I couldn't wait to hear her story and find out her top tips on how to become a successful freelancer in fashion. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Fashion and the Free podcast. Talk us through your background in fashion before you became a freelancer. So I have been in the industry for probably 10 years, almost 10 years now. I worked in like a high street brand in the UK as an internship for a year during uni. And that is where I kind of learn everything. Yeah. I don't use anything that I use that I learned at university now mm-hmm. at all. Like everything that I use now is something that I've learned from the internship at a high street brand. Yeah. Um, so very quickly after that, um, after uni, I went traveling for a bit. I traveled across America. And then when I got back, I was like, oh my God, I need to get a job. I don't know. I don't know where to look. I don't know where to start. But I just, I remembered that one of my friends told me that he had a graphic design job at a local fashion brand. So I just, on a whim, just like message him like, oh, can like, do you have, are there any jobs there? Do you know if there's any going? And he was like, oh, I'll go and ask. And then like the next day I got an email saying, oh, come in for an interview. Like we want to like, what your work is like I went there realized there was no fashion designers there was no like design team at all so I got the job and had to basically build the design process up from scratch because they had goodness so it was it was a really really like really good experience I learned so much and I got like I became head of design very quickly I was like managing people so I learned so so much from there I built up connections everything like that but very well I say very quickly it took a few years I was just like I want to get out of this nine-to-five lifestyle like I don't want to work in this again 
And I like I'd learned the term like digital nomad and I was like, oh, <laughs> I want to try that. I want to do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I ended up quitting my job and I had like a three month working period, like notice period. So I had to like sit there knowing I didn't want to do it for three months. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, well, the day after I quit, I remember I was like sat in my parents' kitchen, like on my laptop, just like, what the fuck have I done? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what am I doing? Like, I was like, I don't know the first thing about freelancing. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get clients. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was like, should I go back to like, should I ask for my job back? Like, what should I do? <laughs> But then like the a week later I was just in Bali on a beach. So it's like wow. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's quite a, a risky thing to do to just sort of quit without a plan. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. And I actually thought you made a really good point too, is you know, the way that you even got into the industry mm-hmm. isn't too dissimilar how I got into it too. I I asked a friend. And sometimes that's all it, it all it takes is like having some initial connections my friend that I um, initially reached out to was someone I'd done an internship with previously. And I saw that she'd gotten a job somewhere that was somewhere that I would have loved to have worked. And so I thought, what what am I going to lose from messaging her? And I just messaged her saying, congratulations. I know this is going to sound really cheeky, but you know, do you have any positions? And she turned around and said, well, actually, we don't have any at the office I'm in. And this was a designer luxury label. She said, but we have a diffusion line in Debenhams. And so she was like, if you are interested in that, I'm more than happy to put you forward. She did. And I got the job and that was my first job. And so honestly, sometimes being a little bit cheeky is actually not not the worst thing because sometimes it can land you your first job. So I love that story. What was it like for you when you did first become a freelancer then? So you've talked about a little bit sort of the build up to that, you know, had your lovely trip to Bali by the sounds of it as well. Mm-hmm. What was your next steps then from someone that, you know, didn't really know a lot about freelancing and what it involved? Well, I had from the job that I had, I had yeah. quite a lot of connections. So I did get a few clients, but I didn't like I didn't treat the whole process like I should have, like I would have done now. So I made like so many mistakes. I, I didn't have a contract in place. I didn't send like out initial invoices. I just did it all on like final, like completion of the job. So it was very hard and I, but I didn't know it was hard. Like I didn't know I was doing everything wrong. So my dad actually helped me a lot with it. He helped me with like my finances, like sorting that out, sorting out like an accountant and stuff like that, sorting out like if I had to email a client and I didn't know what to say, I'd be like, dad, what do I say? And he would like email <laughs> me back with something to say. So nice. I have like a lot of like thanks to give to him to help yeah. me like my, like the start of my freelance career. He wasn't, he's not even like a freelancer. He's got nothing to do with like freelance or design, but he's just very supportive. So yeah, yeah. it sounds like he's got a smart head on his shoulders to yeah that kind of stuff. <laughs> So, I mean, that leads perfectly into, you know, my next question, you know, what was it like in terms of, you know, what mistakes you made earlier on? Was there anything that stands out to you that, you know, I guess you wish you'd know now that others would be able to benefit from? For me, the biggest mistake was not having a niche. So I quit my job. I was panicking. I was like, I need as many clients as I can get. So I tried to do absolutely everything. I was like, 
on my website, I think I, I was a fashion designer. I was a graphic designer. I was an illustrator. I was like, I can do all this because I thought that would attract more clients. Yeah. And I just, I remember not getting, at, not getting anything through my website. I was just like, like literally no leads at all. And I think people would come onto the website, be like, what is she doing? Like, she doesn't know what she's doing. So is this yeah. the right person for me? So that was like the biggest mistake. And as soon as I changed that, I got so many more clients. I actually changed that in the first lockdown in the UK because I had nothing better to do. So I was yeah. like, let's update my website. And mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, let's separate my graphic design and fashion design. So I did that. And like, I think the next week I got like an inquiry through my website. So it just wow. obviously like niching down as much as you can just helps so much. Yeah. So what do you specialize in then? So I'm a menswear designer, like I'm a men's, like kind of young brand streetwear designer. That's what I tell people I am. That's what I specialize in. But I've noticed as you do more work, more and more people like recommend you to other people, which might not be in your niche, which is fine. Yeah. You just like a niche to advertise to, to like, yeah. I'm the ideal clients so at the moment I'm designing for like a lot of golf wear brands and I've yeah. like never played golf ever in my life so yeah. I'm like I would never say this was my niche but I've attracted quite a few golf wear brands so it's interesting how it happens yeah I mean as a designer too generally and I'm not saying this across the board but if you can design one area you can gen- generally design other areas yeah. so like if you you know, menswear, streetwear, I'm sure that very easily translates to you doing sportswear and other things yeah. in that realm. So like you said, it's like good to niche down in terms of advertising and getting out there to people. But like you said, yeah. you're very often they're not going to end up doing a bunch of other things as well. Yeah, definitely. So who do you typically work with and what services do you offer to your clients? So typically I work with menswear. So I work with a lot of, I work with a lot of startups, um, a lot of like actually, actually like women owned menswear brands. I yeah. work with a lot of women, which is a very nice, like kind of surprise really. Cause you, yeah. you'd always like think menswear brands owned by men. And I offer everything from like research to production. And I always say to my clients, like, I will be as involved as you want me to be. Like I can do the whole thing or I can just take a step back and you tell me what to do. Because a lot of people like they either treat their brand like their baby and they're like, I want to be like the main person involved in this. Or they might just be like, oh, you just do it. Like, yeah, hand it off to you. Yeah. So I let them decide like how they want to work with me um but yeah I offer quite a lot of services within the design and production world yeah and do you you know you said you work with a lot of startups do you work with any established big name brands or do you feel like with those I mean this is something I've experienced too often you know even when I see sort of freelance positions come up at these brands they often want you to be still in the office or at least go in a few days a week do you experience that too when you're keeping your eye out for positions Um, yeah, I have experienced it in the past, but I didn't like it. So I don't do it anymore. Like I had one one freelance role where they wanted me to go into the office and I did it for a bit, but I was like, this isn't for me. Like this is not freelance for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my clients tend to be small, like startups, small to mid brands. I don't really work with 
big brands and usually the mid brands are people who I've worked with for a few years. So like I built up the company with them, which is really, really great to see. Yeah, that must be really rewarding going through that route for sure. So when it comes to finding new fashion brands to work with, what are some of the ways to find clients that have proved successful for you? And how do you convert those brands into returning clients, as you've just mentioned? So for me, Instagram is the biggest place where I get clients. I think it's like a 65% like conversion rate on Instagram. So I really, really love Instagram for that that reason because it's basically a free portfolio platform for freelancers. Like you can post anything you want. You can post your work all the time and it will get in front of so many brands, like thousands of brands. And you can network on it so easy. Like you can leave a comment on their post. You can like DM them and like start a conversation. And it's all about like building that trust and building that relationship with clients before you kind of sell to them. I think if you go like headfirst selling into them, they'll be like, oh, like I I don't want to work with you. But if you build up a relationship, it's so much better to like then sell your services to them. Yeah. And then. Also, like once you're working with them, it is still about that relationship and building like a really good client experience and making sure that they have like the best experience with you that they can. Because really, like you could not be the best designer, but have an amazing client experience and they'll probably come back to you for that client experience. Yeah. Or you could be like an amazing designer and have a really shit client experience and they won't want to work with you again because of how you made them feel so it is all about client experience yeah I mean that's the same as if you're working full-time in a company you know relationships are essential and you're going to get far if you've built up those good relationships and that good rapport with co-workers very similar to if you were doing that as a freelancer like you're saying with other clients you know they're going to want to come back to you if you know they felt the process was smooth you know even you know things can go wrong the time but if you're the way you handle it says a lot about who you are and it says a lot about if that client you know wants to continue that relationship regardless if something may have gone wrong along the way it's how you've how you've handled and turned that around so and it's interesting with Instagram too do you do paid ads at all people just finding you organically yeah it's just organic organic connections like I don't I I think I did a paid ad ages ago and I didn't know what I was doing so it got nothing but yeah now it's just organic I have a social media manager who helps me with that like that's a really really big help so she like finds leads for me as well and like messages people so it's saved so much time that I can like then put into the design work and the client experience but it's just Yeah. yeah Instagram is such a good place to find clients and connect with them that's amazing that you're in that position that you can kind of hire someone to help you with that too. Cause I know that especially as a freelancer, you know, it's not necessarily a nine to five job. It's Mm -hmm. sometimes it can be less if you want to, if you choose to have a more relaxed day, but other than that, you know, it can be a very long day often or not. And then trying to fit in social media with that is like another layer on top and it can be quite challenging. So I'm glad that you found that balance where you've got someone to help you at this point. I was getting like crazy with the content. I was like, I can't keep doing this. It took like weeks to do a month worth of content. That's it. It's the content. It's then like you were saying, actually 
reaching out to people chatting to them yeah. reels take up so much time you know Instagram really relies heavily on yeah. reels a lot of the time and that can take hours to put something together I just I literally just did a, um, a reel for my site and I looked at the time and I was like I've been sitting here doing this for over two hours this is ridiculous okay. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you recommend having an onboarding process for new clients and what does that look like? Yeah, as like as part of the client experience, it's probably the most important thing to have an onboarding experience because as soon as they have a good start to the project, it will I feel like it will all go smoothly. It might not, but hopefully it will. Yeah. Um so for my onboarding process, I initially send them the contract and the initial invoice. So they sign that, they pay that. And then I would send them like a small presentation. It doesn't take me long to do it. Just like in Canva, I have a template where I just explain basically what we've been talking about, like what the project is, what they will receive from me, what what I, what I will do basically for them. And I give them dates as well. I think that's a super important bit to give them dates because if you don't, they'll constantly be emailing you saying, oh, where's this up to? Where's this up to? Whereas they can just refer back to this. And if you haven't hit the date, then fair enough, they can email you. But yeah. if, you, if they're emailing you and you've got more time, then you can just be like, look, I've told you the date. This is like the timeline we're sticking to. Also in that, it's super important to put the kind of, deadline that they need to get comments back to you because if you said you need to get comments back to me within three days and they take a week that will push it all back but that won't be on you as a designer or be on them so it's yeah it's really important to like just make everything as simple as possible for the client and let them know exactly what's happening at each stage yeah and setting realistic expectations too because you know, I think there's a lot of people out there, especially if a client is coming to you from maybe a non-creative background and mm-hmm. they maybe don't quite know how long things take. And even if you've given them an outline for, you know, oh, this part will take this amount and this part will take this amount. Yeah. Sometimes it's still real. I think I've been quite lucky that most of my clients have had realistic expectations, but there's an awful lot of people, even just from initial conversations and calls that just have no concept of how long mm-hmm things actually take and then bearing in mind that you're probably juggling several other brands too I think yeah if you if it's if you're able to manage your time well and you're able to then provide someone with a date I think that's really important the flip side of that is setting unrealistic dates too so I think you have to be honest and realistic with yourself and maybe not people please so much yeah I always give myself like probably a week more than I think I would need and then if I've finished I can be like oh I've like finished I like I always what's what's the phrase where you over under promise what is it oh so there's the over promise yeah. under deliver which is what you're trying to avoid yeah <laughs> <laughs> the other one the opposite to that that's yeah. what I do that's really smart actually that's such a good um tip because I think we can all fall into that sort of area where you you do want to over promise mm-hmm. a little bit and actually that's not going to serve you very well in the you know with your clients so I think that's actually really smart to give yourself a little buffer time because also it allows for life things to happen too I mean you know there might be something I don't know something really stupid like I don't know your car needs to go to the garage and that ends up taking up several hours of your day or I don't know just thinking out you know random things that can happen in life so what are the essential 
online platforms and social media that you think every freelancer should be using to take their business to the next level? In terms of social media, definitely Instagram. Like I was saying before, it's like a free platform. You just need to post your work and it will get in front of thousands of brands. Apart from that, I would say LinkedIn. That's a more like professional Mm. way of kind of contacting brands and even figuring out who is the owner of a brand or who would deal with like freelancers for a brand. It's a really good way of finding that out. And you can also find like other freelancers and other like people of the community and build up like those friendships through Instagram and LinkedIn. So I'd really recommend getting at least those two. I think if you have the time, do TikTok, because I think that's really like it's up and coming. Like it's I mean, it's really popular now, but for freelance designers, it's really like on the rise. I'm getting more and more views like every single day just by posting. Sometimes I post my work. Sometimes I post like tips and stuff like that. Um, But every single day I'm getting more followers, more questions, more views. So I would really recommend going on that as well. In terms of platforms, I think like as simple as you can do it is good because you don't want to overwhelm yourself. You don't want to spend money on platforms that you don't need. Like, for example, for my finances, I have a business account, but for my accounts, I just use Excel. I use an Excel sheet that my dad created for me. Like I still use it now and it's just absolutely perfect. It still works. So I think just go as simple as possible. Perfect. And then are there any platforms you recommend, you know, if someone wants to create um, a portfolio website or somewhere where people can find their work, what platforms do you recommend? Is there any that you use yourself that you could highly recommend to somebody? So for portfolios, I would really recommend just using free platforms. So Behance is really, really good. It's a really good place to get inspiration from as well. But also Adobe Portfolio, that's a really good free platform if you've got an Adobe license. I use that for my graphic design portfolio all the time. But really for fashion, I just have an offline portfolio and I would send it in a link to the client. So I don't really necessarily put my portfolio online, but that's just my preference. Like it's completely up to you. It's completely up to the freelancer for what they prefer. So as part of your business, you coach and educate other fashion freelancers. What are some of the common challenges you see other fashion freelancers face when starting out? And what are some of the ways they can overcome those challenges? I think every freelancer worries about getting clients. And that's a question that I get the most is like, how do I get clients? Like, what do I do? But I don't think it's like as simple as just being able to reach out to clients and get them it's all about like having the best foundations for your business to make sure it runs smoothly having the best like client onboarding experience having a good offboarding experience so it's all the layers that that need to be there before you actually get to the client so I, I think people overlook all of that they overlook even just like mindset like that's like the probably the biggest thing in the in your freelance business because if you don't have a good mindset I could teach you all of these tricks all of these tips to get clients but it won't work because your mindset isn't in the right place so I would always recommend freelancers just go back to basics and figure out how to set their business up correctly how to set their mindset up correctly and from there you'll just you'll get more clients 
Yeah, absolutely. That's really important, I think, to not even just think about how, it's the what have you actually got in place to make it successful. And like you were saying earlier, that will help you get the returning clients too. Mm -hmm. So you often talk on your social media about ways for freelancers to make 5K that month with their next client. What's your best advice for actually doing this? So I think like you just need to talk about what you do you just need to get out there you need to shout about it every single day even if it seems like repetitive even if it seems annoying you just need to get your work out there your services out there and let people know that you are there to design for them so you can do this by like sharing work on social media sharing work on LinkedIn Instagram anything like that you can post in your stories you can comment on like other people's posts, everything like that, build a community. Other advice would be to cold email clients. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of work, but it's, it's really worth it once you get that client. Like you might have to email 50 or 60 brands, but as soon as you get that one client, they might be like a recurring client. You might work for them for like quite a few months and it really is worth all that work beforehand. So that's my advice for starting to get 5K months. So when you're talking about emailing clients as well, you know, for someone that's just starting out, do you recommend they like really go for like those big name brands? Are you talking sort of like the smaller brands? What would you recommend for someone that's, you know, just getting started? I would say it depends on your niche. Mm -hmm. So if your niche is like small menswear then you go for small menswear it also depends on like an ideal client so if you really want to have clients that I don't know like might have loads of garments in one collection go for the larger brands but if you want to like have a more like close-knit relationship like be able to possibly work with them again and again then go for the smaller brands so it's completely up to the freelancer it's up to like their niche and their ideal client I think that's really good advice because you if you go about it where you're just targeting anyone and everyone you're going to have way more emails to send and less likely chance of actually hearing back from anyone Let's get into the nitty gritty and talk finances. What are some of your top tips for managing your finances as a freelancer? So my first tip, get a separate bank account. Make sure that your monthly income is completely separate to like your personal income or if you have a job, like your salary. And so it will make sure that you're more on top of it. Whereas if it just goes into your personal account, it will get mixed up with everything else. I use Monzo for this. I think Monzo is really, really good. You can also get invoices on this. So you can send out invoices and it will be paid directly into your business bank account. It also separates taxes. So it will. I think it will separate like you can choose. So I choose like 20%. It goes into a separate pot, which you can access. So I think that's really, really good. Um, But my biggest tip is just be on top of your expenses. So if you buy something, put it in your like expense sheet, because I'm the worst for doing this. Mm -hmm. I don't follow my own advice. I just I I can picture all my like expenses now, just like sat in my emails. I'm going to have to go through and figure out when I bought it and like put it in my Excel sheet. So that is the biggest tip to stay on top of your finances 
and like you'll figure out how much you spend a month so how much you like need to make that month to break even and go above and like actually you know earn a profit to create a successful business yeah I agree because I think when you know you're becoming a freelancer you know whether you're you've quit a job or whatever it is I'd say a and I like said this before in other podcasts too is like make sure you have some savings behind you for the months where maybe you're not so busy just so that you're not freaking out and also this is something I did when I started out pretty much what you just said I made a list in an excel sheet of all my outgoings so Mm -hmm. I knew what the minimal amount was that I needed to make to just cover the basics and then how much ideally wanted to make if I wanted to be able to put a chunk in savings each month, how much I wanted to make if I wanted to be able to do that and go on vacation. So I like really tried to like get all those numbers down because otherwise you're just sort of going in blind. And so you think you might've had a good month, but if that's not covering some of your essentials then that's not a good month for you. Yeah, definitely. That's really good advice. So do you have any nuggets of advice when it comes to pricing out the projects do you do it by hour do you do it by project um was it something that was a bit difficult for you at all when you were first starting out like working out what to even charge yeah it was this was like a real big pain point for me and I think even now like my I need to focus more on my money mindset because if you don't have a strong like mindset when it comes to money you're gonna come like always undercharge for what you're worth I typically now charge by project so I would work out how long that project would take me and say this will be it because I I find that the clients that I talk to they want to know how much they're paying for a project like they don't want any other surprises and I always think of it like what would I want if I was in that position if I was paying for a service I'd want to know how much I was paying like I wouldn't want to get to the end of the project and they're like oh this is like three thousand pound more than what we initially quoted you for so I always charge by projects but I was talking to another freelancer today and she was like yeah I just charge hourly because it's what I'm comfortable with like I prefer doing that so if you prefer charging hourly charge hourly there's not like a set way to do anything it's just what you're more comfortable with and what you're confident charging as well yeah, and it depends on the size of the project too, because I feel like, you know, some clients I'll encounter, you know, just want some consultations to get kickstarted. And so that's just easy to do by pay by hour. It's much more yeah. straightforward. Um, or they might want to just do things step by step and don't want to commit to a full project at the beginning. So I don't think like you're saying there's a right or wrong way, but I do agree with you, especially when it's a larger project. I always think it's much better to try and, you know, calculate your hours based on that project. I always still will always say to a client, it's an estimate because at the end of the day, setting that price in stone completely can be a little challenging as a designer. You know, some things do take a bit longer than originally planned. Um, but generally, if you're giving them a pretty accurate ballpark figure of what to expect, it definitely works for most people. Yeah doing it that way and I think it is challenging at the beginning when you're you know trying to figure out what to charge I think that was one of the most challenging things I found too and I very quickly realized that I was undercharging and so raised my rates 
And then when you've got to reflect every year, you know, you have to look into like inflation and things Mm. like that. Think about if you were in a full-time position, would you be asking for a raise right now? And therefore, does that reflect in your freelance career too? So I think all those things are really important. And I don't think if you should definitely not be undercharging if you can avoid that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, so lastly, I also asked this to uh, Charlotte in the other uh, podcast as well. Could you list three positives for being a freelancer and three challenges? I'll start with the challenges and then we can end on a high. Yeah, that's um, great. <laughs> so it can be lonely. Like it can be like if you're working from home, you're not really meeting anyone, your clients are all online, like it can be super lonely. So my advice for that would just be either make sure you're seeing your friends a certain amount of times a week, make sure you're like seeing your family or work in like a co-working space whenever you can, if there's one by you, like that's a really great way of like meeting other people, see like maybe meeting other creatives so you can like bounce ideas off them. And probably the second challenge would be that it can be quite overwhelming. I think that's why I like to get the basics of the like the business perfect before I start going. Because if you don't have that set, you might get too many, too much work. And then you're trying to figure out like the how to run your business and you're trying to do the work as well. So that's how it can get really overwhelming. So yeah, just figure out the foundation of your business make sure it runs by itself and it will hopefully be less overwhelming for you. Probably the third challenge, which probably is also a good thing, is that it pushes you outside your comfort zone so much. And a lot of people don't like that. I remember when I first started, I hated it. Anything I didn't like like doing, I didn't want to do. So yeah. I didn't do sales calls because I hated getting on a call. I would much rather do it by email. But now I'm like, let's jump on a sales call. And they're like, can we do email? And I'm like, no, let's do a sales call. I want to see you. I want to talk to you. Like, I want to make a connection. So yeah, that's a positive as well. Like you grow so much as a person. Like I've got so much more confidence since I started freelancing just because I've had to be like, I've had Mm -hmm. to hold meetings. I've had to like talk to people I wouldn't usually talk to. And another positive is probably like, even even though I said it was lonely, you do meet so many amazing people. There's a really amazing freelancer community on Instagram. And whenever like people are commenting on other posts, like it just really feels like everyone's like friendly, everyone's a friend. Like you could ask anyone advice and stuff like that, which I really, really love. And probably the last positive would be that it's just so fun to do what you love to do every day and you choose to do it like you can work whenever you want you can like choose what projects you want to work on if you don't want to work on a project you don't have to like it's completely up to you yeah so there's a lot of uh, freedom involved which is really nice and like you're saying pick and choosing your projects also, I think we were talking earlier about the remote side of it too. You know, if you're someone that really likes remote work, then this is a perfect way to go about it. So yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I feel like gotten so much great advice for you. I'm probably going to take some of it on board myself as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. It was great to chat to Anna and find out the ways in which she has set herself up for success. 
I really appreciated her honesty during our conversation. If you're considering becoming a freelancer in fashion yourself, I hope the past two episodes have given you plenty of food for thought. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please don't hesitate to get in touch via social media via the handle at Fashion and the Free on Instagram and TikTok. And you can check out the website fashionandthefree.com. If you're interested in learning more about Anna, all the links will be in the description for you to check out. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It helps other fashionistas to find us. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.